For RCR-TV, I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to HetNet Happenings, where we take a look at all things DAS, Wi-Fi, small cell, and much more. Comscope. Thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Welcome back to HetNet Happenings. We've got a great show for you today. On this program, we're going to talk a lot about true heterogeneous networks of the future, which will have features like full integration of different network technologies, all resulting in a seamless user experience. But there's another aspect that of using that connectivity to create smart cities. And I, I really like this topic because we think so much about the consumer focus of this technology. But smart cities are a great example of using the same technology to push widespread quality of life changes for lots of people. We're going to talk later in the show with Mike Zito, who's the general manager of Smart Cities for AT&T's IoT Solutions Group. But first, I wanted to take a look at some recent headlines. On the Internet of Things front, Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins made comments this week at the company's Media Day that emphasized the software side of IoT rather than the hardware side, which is a little interesting for a company best known for its equipment. Robbins discussed the importance of data analytics services, security, and flexibility as it relates to IoT deployments. More IoT news from another big player in the tech industry, Amazon is reportedly set to announce a cloud-based service for the Internet of Things. Now this is from Amazon Web Services, and reports suggest the new service will be similar to offerings from Microsoft and IBM, which are geared toward developers integrating new devices with existing platforms. Switching gears to some carrier news, T-Mobile US is set to be joined in the free streaming music space by Sprint prepaid band Virgin Mobile USA, which announced that beginning October 9th, it will support free streaming of music from select online content providers. Service will be made available to Virgin Mobile customers on rate plans that include cellular data access, which begin at $35 a month. The streaming music service will not detract from a customer's allotted data bucket. Virgin Mobile said customers will need to be connected to the Sprint-provided 3G or 4G network to access the service, and that the service does not include premium subscriptions to the content providers. This one's kind of interesting because FCC Commissioner Ajit Pai has made it clear in recent weeks that he thinks services like this violate net neutrality rules because it gives preference, albeit at no cost, to one type of content over another, in this case music. Another interesting Sprint story, we heard from VP Wayne Ward last week at the TC3 show out in Silicon Valley that Sprint's considering how to use robots in some of its retail locations. Wayne told us you could see something similar from Sprint in the near future at some of their retail locations. Now I'd like to introduce our guest, Mike Zito, who is AT&T's General Manager of Smart Cities. Mike, thanks a lot for joining us on HetNet Happenings. For having me. Appreciate it. So, Mike, as we get started, can you give us an overview of AT&T's Smart Cities initiatives? I know the program's contained in the IoT group, but if you could get a little more specific about IoT as it relates directly to smart cities. 
exciting time for AT and T. We've had uh, we've had a lot of success uh, over the years in uh, in the Internet of Things uh, area of our business. Um, we uh, you know we're, we're, we are the leader uh, in in the U S. And, and some would say globally uh, regarding uh, Internet of Things uh, technology uh, solution provider for telecommunications. Uh, and and a natural progression of that is to uh, move into vertical areas that uh, use underlying Internet of Things technologies uh, and communication solutions like smart cities. Um, so we have recently uh, formed a dedicated organization uh, under me uh, that sits within our Internet of Things uh, business unit um, to go out and really uh, focus on helping cities develop out uh, a framework and solutions um, that are uh, driving uh, Internet of Things and smart cities related um, applications that can help them solve problems both for the city and for the citizens. So we've got a really strong group of ecosystem partners that we've brought together. Um, uh, and as you as you may know, uh, smart cities and Internet of Things. Um, there's a lot of partners that need to come together to really create successful solutions. Um, AT and T is one of them, uh, and and we feel like we have the ability to lead. Uh, large alliances uh, and partner ecosystems um, to, you know, to drive really positive results for cities because we've got long-standing relationships with some of these cities, 50, 60, 70 years, where they've really been depending on us um, to be their, uh, one of their technology providers uh, of choice. And then we also have very deep relationships with many of the, the citizens um, or the city's customers that actually you know, reside in those areas. So we feel like it's a great time for us to step up uh, and lead and, uh, and do some great things with some, some really large partners and some small partners as well to help drive a lot of value for cities and for its constituents. So Mike, really a smart city is a bit of an ambiguous term. It can refer to lots of different use cases. So from AT&T's perspective, what is a smart city and what are some of the markers of a smart city? You know, if you think of some of the, the so, so you're right, 100%, right? I mean, the, the definition of smart cities is really broad. And, and you know, it, it just at a high level, if you want to define what it is, um, you know, it's really, uh, it, it, it's, it's using sensors, digital technology, and then a communications platform to connect people, processes, and assets, you know, to drive uh, efficiencies, uh, to drive sustainability, to reduce operational costs, and then develop a better living experience for its citizens. And, and that's you know, one of the things that you hit on as a use case. Um, that's an example of a company uh, that can provide a solution to a city uh, to drive uh, a better living experience for its citizens. Um, so you know, if, you, if you think about some other use case examples um, inside of solution domains that cities will look at, I think you'll have, uh, if you think about utilities as a solution domain, you'll have uh, smart lighting. We'll also have uh, smart water um, or leak detection uh, systems and opportunities that help to determine uh, leaks prior to burst. Um, so that will help reduce non-revenue uh, water loss. Um, you'll have, uh, you know, a smart grid and electric. And that's something that we've already done. AT&T has had a smart grid team that's actually been moved under me. So we've been in the smart city space for some time with specific use case solutions um, like smart grid. Um, and then, you know, if you move from utilities and you slide over to uh, ways to leverage technology and communications platforms to drive uh, efficiencies around transportation, 
Uh, and, and that would be everything from traffic management uh, to parking. Um, and then you can slide into those more citizen engagement type or citizen friendly use cases uh, like uh, air quality sensors uh, that you mentioned um, that could be installed at the time of doing a retrofit for LED lighting or a smart lighting solution. So, you know, there's ways to maximize efficiencies through um, a building block approach to implementation as well, where when you go and do one touch to install intelligent lighting, you also install sensors that can provide air quality information, uh, cameras that can provide security information, uh, other sensors like gunshot audio detection um, that could provide uh, information around, uh, you know, a gunshot and triangulation to send an alert to, uh, you know, the police department to roll a unit. Um, and then also traffic sensors when you do that install. So what we're trying to really do is take some very specific solutions that solve problems, um, like I mentioned, uh, and then create a framework of partners that have uh, different components of these solutions. And then lead the group by going out uh, to some spotlight cities to start um, to be able to implement these solutions and then drive some key learnings, not only for the organizations uh, that are participating in this alliance, let's call it, um, but also for the cities so that they can go back to their citizens and say, hey, this does work. This is where how it will provide a positive impact to you and to your family and to the city overall. Um, so that's that's really part of the goal as we as we get specific into the use cases and start to deploy them into the market, um, you know, for for testing and to develop some key learnings. Mike, right now we're going through this huge period of urbanization around the world. To lend a little bit of context to that, the UN says that right now 54% of the population lives in cities. That's up from 30% in 1950. But by 2050, the UN projects that 66% of all people will live in cities or urban centers. Can you help me understand how that trend fits into smart cities? It almost seems like cities are going to have to build in intelligence just to manage the sheer volume when you think about things like traffic management. That's, that's a good question, right? <clears throat> um, and, and that's a fair question. Uh, technology is an enabler as we all know, um, and can sometimes be a crutch. Uh, but, you know, I, th I, think, I think there's a very uh, strategic approach that's going to need to be taken and a lot of support, uh, you know, from, from the government uh, and from the cities themselves to, to help drive the adoption so you can realize these benefits. Um, densification and urbanization, more people moving into these uh, urban areas from the suburbs, it's going to happen over time. Um, all the data points to that. Uh, and so, you know, we need to, uh, as I think, as a, as a global community, start to embrace that and, and political leadership needs to get behind that as well because, you know, one of the questions out there is still, how do you pay for all this, right? Um, how do you pay for the technology to enable these solutions to drive the benefits when, when this densification occurs? And, you know, the, uh, I, think, I think the EU has done a good job starting to fund some, some initiatives over there. I think you saw last week in D.C. where the government, uh, the United States government, uh, made some announcements at the White House, which we were fortunate enough to be there for those um, as a lead member of NIST and of some of the other uh, standards groups and, and organizations that have been stood up. Um, you know, I think that $160 million uh, will help to fund and seed uh, some of the growth so that the technology providers can test and then start to quantify 
um, you know, what, what the, uh, what the actual benefits are going to be so that we can then get those projects funded, but it's going to happen. It's just going to take time. I mean, we're, we're at the beginning of a journey. Okay. And, and I, and I think that that is something that everybody needs to keep in mind. Many of the cities have started already large and small. The research universities are leading this uh, in some cases, which are great, but we truly are at the beginning of a journey that's going to take uh, a unique framework um, and a building block approach to really roll things out and get them to scale. And that's where we feel like we can take a leadership position based on the experience uh, that we have um, starting and leading industries through technology progressions. And Mike, I also wanted to hear from you about security, which becomes an increasingly prevalent issue as we become increasingly connected. So obviously, the more things we connect, the more risk for security incursion there is. So what's AT&T do with, cons uh, with consideration of security when it's developing smart city services? And I'm particularly thinking about mission-critical functions like power grid or public safety applications. I think that, uh, that, that a unique differentiator, you know, when people look at AT&T, they look at us as their cell phone uh, uh, service provider or their landline or UVerse, right? They don't really understand everything that we do as a company and then the adjacencies uh, that we have in our business where we put a lot of focus and invest a ton of money. Um, and, you know, frankly, we're doing a lot of that investment around security. Um, you know, we, we feel and we know uh, based on testing and in and, and, and our position in the market that we have the most secure, scalable network that's out there today. Um, and, and, and our focus is about security. And there's different layers of security when you think about um, of IoT, right? Um, you've got the device layer security. Uh, you've got the network layer, which is, which is where we're sitting. So we're securing the, you know, the, the, the data uh, from the sensor, you know, back to the cloud. And in some cases, even uh, using some of our, uh, our cloud solutions that we have to secure data until it's passed on to whatever visualization tool that's being used to make sense of that data. So we have a lot of focus around security um, and, and threat analysis, and, and that's, that's really uh, an area where AT&T steps up, I think. And one of the reasons that we're very well positioned to actually lead um, some of this thought leadership and, and some of this market scale, um, because we've got that critical network component that is the thread that's actually weaved through each and every single smart city solution. Um, and we make sure that that layer is extremely, extremely secure. All right, Mike. Well, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to tell us about what AT&T is doing in the smart city space. And that's a topic we regularly cover here at RCR, so I'd encourage you to check out our website, rcrwireless.com, to stay up to date. You can even sign up for our daily newsletter to have all the telecom and ICT headlines delivered straight to your inbox every day. For multimedia content, including past episodes of this show, as well as lots of content from TC3, like I mentioned earlier, you can check out the RCR TV website or the RCR Wireless News YouTube channel. I'm Sean Kinney, and we'll see you back here next week for another episode of HetNet Happenings. HetNet Happenings is a production of RCR TV. To reach Sean Kinney or to suggest a show topic for HetNet Happenings, you can reach Sean at skinney at rcrwireless.com. On Twitter at Sean Kinney RCR. To find out more about the latest in HetNet and all things wireless, dig into rcrwireless.com.